Welcome to another T-Rex audio podcast. This is Isaac Botkin, and I'm going to be talking about today uh, the shooting on a film set in New Mexico. This is something that I wasn't actually planning on talking about. It was something that happened last Thursday on October 21st, been pretty much covered by the media very heavily, even though there's not very much information yet. And it isn't directly related to anything that T-Rex is currently doing or any of our major missions. So I was just going to let social media talk about it and not really weigh in. But I had a number of people actually ask specifically for this, specifically people who knew that I used to work in the film industry and thought that I might have some interesting stuff to comment on. And when I thought about that, I thought, yeah, I think there are some good lessons actually for for all of us from this. So I, uh, well, let's get into it. On October 21st, Alec Baldwin was on a film set. They were shooting a relatively low-budget Western, apparently, based on who was involved. And he was handed a gun. The media says prop gun, but it was not a prop gun. It was a real gun. We'll get into that in just a second. And apparently, this gun had live ammunition inside of it. When I first heard the news, and it was really sketchy, just that there had been an accident, and one person was dead, and one person was wounded, and Alec Baldwin was involved, I had assumed, since it was a historical uh, film, maybe there was a weapon malfunction, somebody loaded a older gun with smokeless powder instead of black powder, or maybe there was rocks or some debris that got into the barrel that were pushed out of the barrel by a blank. But it seems like, based on the information that we have now, it was actually live ammunition in a real gun on a film set, which is it's kind of as bad as it gets uh, film set safety-wise. Now, the other thing that's kind of interesting to me about this whole thing is on Instagram, I follow two groups of people. I follow gun people, people in the gun industry and on the periphery of that, and I follow film people, people in the film industry, specifically uh, kind of art department folks. Generally speaking, when something happens that is in the news that both groups of people talk about, my gun people take the uh, the right the right approach or have the right insight or ask the right questions or have the right reaction to, and my film people tend to uh, tend to go the other way. But in this case, kind of the exact opposite happened. My film people were grieving the loss of the director of photography who was killed, and they were asking more insightful questions. And my gun people were just kind of, actually, to be honest, a lot of people were laughing at Alec Baldwin because he had the misfortune to kill a human being. And I think that that was oftentimes uh, inappropriate. Now, I will say, yes, Alec Baldwin is incredibly hypocritical. Now, it's not actually hypocritical uh, for him to be anti-gun ownership and then kill someone on a film set. What's hypocritical is that he's been anti-gun ownership, but he's been making movies where he uses guns uh, basically for my entire life. And yes, uh, he's a jerk. Uh, He has acted like a jerk many times uh, for most of my entire life, and it's been in the news quite a bit. And uh, all of these things are true. And yes, many of the jokes that people were making were actually kind of funny. The best uh, one was the idea that Saturday Night Live should have Donald Trump come and play Alec Baldwin in a reenactment of the event. Dark, but actually uh, very funny. And yes, Alec Baldwin has brought a lot of these jokes on himself or this criticism on himself by doing things like commenting on police shootings 
and talk about how terrible it must be to shoot an innocent person, which he apparently has now done. So all of those things are true. And yet at the same time, I don't think this is the correct response because I actually believe that joking about Alec Baldwin, joking about the situation, makes light of the situation. Some of you are going to say, well, why are you making excuses for Alec Baldwin? Actually, I'm not. I think that the jokes about Alec Baldwin uh, minimize the accountability that he will potentially face. And I think that it's more appropriate for us to remember that a person has been killed in this incident. The victim in this case uh, was Helena Hutchins. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce her first name. She was born in the Ukraine. Uh, She was working as the cinematographer on this film. She's done a bunch of smaller films. But uh, she's 42 years old and has been working in the film industry uh, overseas and here for a while. And she's about my age. So I actually actually relate to her uh, in a lot of ways. I've worked on camera departments Several times I've been on film sets of um, mostly mostly smaller budget films. I've worked on big, uh, bigger projects, but most of the time when I'm actually on set during principal photography or part of a camera department, it's a very small project like the ones that she has been involved in and probably like this one here. There are some good lessons here. We should think really seriously about the gravity of this situation. Here is a woman working on a film set who has been shot by someone who is a jerk. That's probably immaterial. She has been shot because of a lax in safety. And I think that what happened is a lot of complacency and some arrogance that happened. So let's talk about some of the lessons uh, that I think that we could learn from this. Because if you're not in the film industry, if you're in the gun industry, uh, you would think of Hollywood as being the opposite of us. And in many ways, uh, ideologically, uh, in many other ways, they, they are. But If you're shooting video on the range, that's really not that different than Hollywood people shooting guns on a set. There's a huge amount of overlap there. And what I think happened on this set was because it was a smaller budget film and they had a lot of uh, crew members with limited experience and they had some sort of uh, much smaller departments involved because it was a low budget Western, there were a bunch of people wearing multiple hats and doing multiple jobs. And that's opens up the door for potential mistakes. I'm not actually sure how big the budget was. Uh, Alec Baldwin is a pretty big name, and he was, and I'll get to this more later, he was the producer of the film, not just the main star. So it's possible that uh, they had some competent people on board, but so far, most of the folks that we have heard about on the crew are relatively inexperienced newcomers. And so that brings to mind uh, the idea that there's this is a relatively low-budget project, kind of a vanity project for him, possibly, or maybe something that he's doing for a friend. But uh, the media has tried to spin this as well and just say, look, it's a very small movie, very few people involved, not that big a deal. Uh, I think they're trying to cover for Alec Baldwin because he is something of a media darling. But one of the other fascinating things that happened in this instance was apparently almost the entire camera department walked off of the set uh, complaining about safety issues hours before the incident that caused the death of Helena Hutchins. That is pretty interesting. Now, one of the other things that's fascinating is this whole event has been plagued by really, really bad reporting and also bad practice. So one of the first things is that all of the headlines said prop gun, accident with prop gun, prop gun this, prop gun that. And even people in the film biz commenting on this saying like, how could a prop gun do this? Prop gun, prop gun, prop gun. And this is something that probably needs to be addressed within the film industry as well. The guns held by main actors in films are usually not prop 
guns. They are real guns. They are completely real functioning firearms, sometimes real firearms that have been demilled. Occasionally, uh, the guns that are on sets do not have firing pins. Occasionally, they have uh, barrels that are partially blocked. And a lot of times, there are prop or fake guns on set. For example, uh, urethane casts of the guns that are being used in the film. Those are very handy for extras, uh, people far away from the camera to use, or for stunt people to use. Uh, rubber guns so that uh, the stunt people, if they fall on them, they don't knock their teeth out. But anytime you see guns on set firing blanks, those are basically always real actual firearms, sometimes with permanent uh, blank adapters installed and sometimes not. And this has been the case for decades. Uh, in the past, movie guns were usually 10 or 20 years behind uh, what was being used in the real world just because of what the armorers and the prop departments owned. And also, it's kind of tricky to make semi-automatic handguns function well with blanks. And so revolvers were used because uh, they're much easier to run that way. But our departments have caught up. And now you see uh, very modern firearms being used and armors are really good at making those things function using various devices. Quick uh, rabbit trail, the best armorer's work, I think, on any film is probably Rambo 3. There was an Israeli armorer's department and those guys had real, actual, captured Soviet arms and equipment. Uh, apparently even real Soviet uniforms uh, are in that film. Uh, lightly used, maybe some small holes, uh, minor staining, but uh, actual <laughs> war material from the Soviet Union shows up in Rambo 3, uh, the part of the movie that they shot inside of Israel. So real AK-47s, even the real DSHK uh, heavy machine gun, the Dushka. Uh, for a while there, I think that Sylvester Stallone had more time operating Soviet heavy machine guns than any other American. And then when they moved the shooting back to the United States for the final battle, you see the fake uniforms and Chinese Type 56 fake AKs uh, that were used in the making of Red Dawn. And the reason they left Israel was they had terror threats over there. But generally speaking, movies are very safe. Film sets are very safe. For as long as I was involved in the film industry, there were one or two people dying per year on film sets. And it was usually car accidents. In fact, it was almost always people that had been working incredibly long hours crashing on their way back to the hotel at five in the morning. Uh, sometimes stunt accidents, but very rarely gun accidents. In 2018, a stunt woman died performing a motorcycle stunt for Deadpool 2. Uh, in 2014, Sarah Jones, a camera assistant, was hit by a train. This was a pretty famous one because the director put the entire crew out on a railway trestle without doing the appropriate uh, checking to make sure that there wasn't a train coming. He actually uh, spent about a year in jail because of that. But the last time that anybody was killed with a stunt gun accident was 1993, and that was Brandon Lee, uh, Bruce Lee's son. This is a very famous incident where somehow there was a bullet lodged in a gun, uh, in the barrel of a gun, and that gun, when loaded with blanks, had enough pressure to force the bullet out of the barrel, and uh, that apparently is what killed him. Prior to that, 1984, um, there was an actor, I forget his name, he was playing Russian roulette in a scene. He held a gun up next to his temple, and the blast from those blanks, as well as uh, paraffin, wad cutters, whatever else was inside that, that came out, that was sufficient to break the skull uh, on the temple where it's very thin, and um, that killed him. So accidents with guns do kill people, but it's incredibly rare, and part of that is um, there are 
are a lot of existing safety protocols. And there kind of have to be because movies, the bigger they get, the more complicated they are. Movies are really complicated and expensive. You have armies of people on really tight schedules. Film sets generally have hundreds of thousands of dollars per day in overhead, so they've got to move fast. They have to be incredibly well-coordinated. And there are obstacles to being well-coordinated, like uh, many interlocking unions uh, and insurance companies and studio meddlers. And all of these things make it easy for procedures to be put in place, but they also make it kind of easy for things to fall through the cracks. And the different departments tend to have different levels of familiarity with firearms. So Armors department, this is their job. It's their bread and butter. Stunt department, they work with guns a lot, generally know what they're doing. Prop masters, uh, who are not necessarily armors, yeah, generally speaking, yes. Art directors uh, and other art department people in costume and wardrobe, kind of, sort of, and then so on down the line. Makeup, never at all. Actors, actors are supposed to be very familiar with any weapons that they're given by the armors, and it's their responsibility to ask about these things and to check anything that they're given. This is pretty well laid out in the SAG and AFTRA union rules. But because you have all these different departments working together, there is a possibility for uh, stuff to fall through the cracks. I want to tell you guys the most terrifying gun safety uh, negligent story that I have ever heard from a film set. Fortunately, nothing bad happened. But it was a film, a relatively large budget film. I'm not going to say what it was. And they needed some extras. They needed some police extras. And so they actually went out and they got policemen to come on, off-duty policemen to come on, wearing their uniforms and their kit. They got departmental uh, permission for this. And this actually happens relatively often. A lot of times when you see military hardware, particularly in a Michael Bay movie, it is all the real deal. All those folks are showing up with real equipment, real uniforms, probably different name tapes and different insignia. But I call those folks subject matter extras. They bring a lot of production value to your film set. So a bunch of police officers who were specifically sort team or SWAT team guys showed up in their equipment, in their full kit, as they were requested to do. They made it through wardrobe. They did all the paperwork, all the releases and everything. They got all their directions and call sheets and everything checked out and had everything taken care of. Probably went through hair and makeup, although SWAT guys always have perfect hair, so probably didn't need to do that. They made it onto the set. The armorer started giving them their blank firing AR-15s, and he said, to them, oh, uh, I didn't know that wardrobe had mags because they all had mags in their chest rigs. And they said, oh, no, these are ours. And he said, uh, what's in them? And they said, oh, it's green tip. And I imagine that at that point he was ridiculously terrified. But this is an instance where, yes, uh, live ammunition made it onto the film set. It slipped through the wardrobe department. It slipped through legal department. And I'm sure that if you actually asked the wardrobe guys, like, hey, what are those What are those boxes inside of those chest rigs? They probably would have said, oh, those are magazines. And if you'd asked them, hey, what's generally inside magazines? They would have said, oh, bullets. And then if you asked them, should we check and see which bullets those are? They would have said, oh, yes, absolutely. But because they were really busy on a bustling film set, and their job was to check the accuracy of these uniforms and, and the various equipment and make sure that none of the actual police department's badges or names or name tapes were visible, they just kind of didn't notice or think about the capacity of those standard capacity magazines to carry live ammunition. 
But the armorer did. So as soon as they were on set, this thing got caught. But that could have been a horrendously bad mistake. And it sloped through a couple departments and got caught by one. That's why you have these multiple layers of people that are involved in things so that there's multiple layers of accountability and multiple uh, places where stuff can get caught. It's kind of like the four rules of firearm safety. You can safely break any one of the four firearm safety rules. The reason that there's more is so that if you accidentally break one of the rules, you're still covered. And just like working with real firearms, if you've worked on big film sets and these kind of movies for a long time, I think it would be really easy for complacency to set in and to rely a little bit too much on the other departments and not pay as much attention to your own. And also, let's be honest, if you're working on movies where Fred North is flying helicopters through giant explosions and cars are being launched into the air at his helicopters and stuntmen who are literally on fire, coated in flaming burn gel, bailing out of those cars into pads or into the water. Yeah, prop guns seem pretty safe compared to that. One character shooting a gun does not seem like that big of a deal. But part of that is if you actually call these things prop guns and treat them that way, then the complacency is almost inevitable. Uh, As the old man said to the boy, there is nothing as dangerous as an empty gun. And pretty much every accident that I've heard about on a film set or seen with my own eyes, whether it's been gun related or stunt related or vehicle related or location related, has been uh, a complacency issue where someone said, ah, that gun isn't real or ah, that train trestle isn't used anymore or ah, that gravel isn't very slippery. Now, some of the best coverage of this event and some of the best commentary of what has happened actually comes from Adam Baldwin, believe it or not. I've often joked that Adam Baldwin is my favorite Baldwin brother. He's not actually related to Alec Baldwin or the other Baldwin brothers. Uh, He's not even related to Stephen Baldwin. But uh, one of his first comments was on Twitter, if you are pointing a weapon at anyone on set without permission from the armorer, director, and first AD, then you should be reprimanded for the first offense, fired for the second. If you do so and harm or kill someone, you should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I agree completely. I don't think that uh, guns are too dangerous to have on set. That's something that some people have been calling for. But I do think that all of the safety procedures that exist are worth having and worth keeping. And when people violate those safety procedures that are laid out in black and white on paper, there need to be consequences for those, especially... Uh, if there actually is an accident that results in death, which in this case, there was. And I really want us to not lose sight of that fact. This is not a good opportunity for us to score some points against a guy who hates gun owners. Again, if we just joke about what Alec Baldwin has done and what a terrible human being he's been in the past and how maybe now he feels a little bit more somber about firearms, yay, uh, we're missing the point. The joke's lessen the loss that has been felt by others, but it also lessens the seriousness about what Alec Baldwin has done. I think it's really important that we remember that Helena Hutchins is someone who uh, was made in the image of God and was killed. She leaves behind a husband and a son. Somewhere in New Mexico right now, there's a little boy who will never see his mother again. So joking about Alec Baldwin kind of takes away the sting and the responsibility of what has happened in a way that I feel like is inappropriate. I don't want his accountability to be lessened in this in any way, especially since he's not just the actor who pulled the trigger, even though that's a gigantic deal in this instance. He's also the producer of the film. This is something that's being downplayed by a lot of reporting on the movie, but 
He is the producer of the film. He is a giant name. He is a huge, experienced actor bossing around a young crew on the set. Now, to be honest, he would be doing that anyway just as the actor. But as the producer of the movie, uh, his name is what has, has got people involved in this movie. And his position as producer means that he's probably the one driving a lot of the decisions that uh, the camera crew was complaining about earlier, the camera crew that walked off of the set because there were corners being cut, there were steps being skipped, um, there were some safety issues because there were protocols uh, being ignored. And I really feel for that camera crew because uh, on the one hand, how more validated can your complaints be than an incident like this? But also, how much must they be second-guessing themselves? You know, if they had stayed and there had been more eyes on the set, more eyes on what was happening with the firearms and that's rough because it is their responsibility to call out safety issues and refuse to work in unsafe conditions. But I'm sure that at the same time, they feel a measure of responsibility because by making everybody who is left on the camera team, which is basically the DP and the uh, Steadicam operator, I believe, there are a lot fewer people carrying a lot more equipment and doing a lot more multitasking. And multitasking is always pretty bad for safety. I've noticed that when I am on the range and I am doing gun stuff. I am way more safe with guns because I'm in gun mode. And when I am trying to juggle content and when I am trying to juggle ideas and when I'm trying to juggle other equipment and shoot guns at the same time, that's when I make mistakes. And you've seen some of those in, uh, in YouTube videos. You've seen YouTube videos where I'm talking to the camera, I pick up a gun and I shoot it without putting on eye protection because multitasking is bad for safety and complacency is, uh, is really bad for safety. And this is something that I think is really important to remember, whether you're working on a film set or whether you are on a gun range and shooting video. In each instance, you are multitasking. If you're working in the gun industry, uh, T-Rex is a very small company. We never have multiple departments out on the range dotting I's and checking T's the way that a, a large film production will during principal photography. So the opportunity for us to get complacent and make mistakes is there. And if you are somebody who shoots content out on the range with fewer people than T-Rex arms, uh, you're in even more danger to potentially forget things because you're trying to do too much stuff. And the longer you do this and the more comfortable you get with it, the better you get at that multitasking thing, but the greater the potential for that complacency to get you as well. So I think this should be a wake-up call. I don't think this requires that we change all of our procedures. I don't think this requires that Hollywood change all of their procedures. I think that it requires that accountability really be there for people like Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin very specifically. But I also think that all of us should be thinking about this as it relates to us. It's an opportunity to really consider the way that we do things on the range. It's an opportunity to consider the way that we talk about these issues online. And let's not waste this opportunity because it's a big one and it costs somebody their life. Elena Hutchins, wife and mother and cinematographer, aged 42. And yes, I know that she was uh, potentially working on a project about Hollywood pedophiles next, and I know that her husband... Uh, was a lawyer with some connection to the Clinton family. So I'm aware of all that, but I don't think it detracts from the lessons that we can learn from it. And it would be the most complicated and convoluted Clinton killing yet, if, well, if. I personally believe that this is a complacency kill. Because complacency on gun ranges 
and on film sets does kill. 